You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here today. And today's episode is actually go through a local prop tech company and talk about how they are working to replace CTME, which is the only contract system agents use around the Denver area. So it's great because it's a local aspect. Plus, we're going to dive into the story about how they have built the company. And it's fascinating because it's a startup company, no VC funding. So I think it's going to be a very, very fun story. Plus, our guest, Justin Knoll, is the CEO of the company, longtime investor, longtime realtor, and also Colorado native. So lots of good stuff to talk about. My co-host and the one who set up the podcast today is none other than Chelsea Scott. Chelsea, good afternoon. Hey, Chris. How's it going? I'm really excited to do this. I know you have been very much plugged in the scene. A couple months ago, I connected with Justin. We got connected. Awesome guy. Awesome story. And very glad to have Justin on the podcast. Welcome, Justin. I'm excited to be here, you guys. This is awesome. Uh, Really excited for what you guys are doing. Happy to be a part of it. Thank you. So let's start off with, um, I gave a brief overview of Inc., but in your own words, please tell us and the invest community what you do. Yeah. So right now, one of the things that we find is is originating a a contract, a real estate contract in anywhere, pretty much in the nation is very challenging. It's, It's challenging to convey to a consumer who's used to electronically ordering a car uh, to pull up and pick them up. It's a very transactional thing. And now we lay upon them very archaic old ways of transacting businesses or transacting a transaction. And it, it is painful to watch. And it's painful for a lot of consumers to go through that. It, it just feels like a step back in time. Um, the other thing that it does is it doesn't really position ourselves to do the best contract, to build the best contract that protects these clients all the way through. You can still make redundant um, uh, problems. You can you can create these problems unintended by checking multiple boxes, right? And putting your 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 buyer in a position where they're not actually wanting to do exactly what you've checked. You can make one mistake and it changes the course of the transaction. So what we've done to really simplify it is just taking the contract, put it on your phone or your your PC, whatever it is. Uh, but we want to be mobile enabled because we know that's where today's business is happening. Yeah, that's people what are. it is. So what we do is think of TurboTax, right? You just answer a series of questions screen by screen, and it starts to populate that contract and fill it out. And that's what we've done is really TurboTax this process. We don't want to make it so easy that there's no value in having the agent represent you. Um, There's always value there. But what we wanted to do was make this an easier process, much more enjoyable process that that the consumer will now trust us more, that we are doing things in today's standards. And so that's what we're trying to do. We take MLS data and we start populating parts of the contract as well. We take data from the third party um, um, sources like FEMA floodplain. Right, their database will fill in if that property is in fact in a floodplain. Um, so now it's it's taking the data that's known and filling it into the contract as quickly as possible. So now it, the realtor can just do that contract right there on their phone with absolute certainty that what's going in is the right data. It's the right information. I love how you broke that down, really focusing on like the consumer, you know, perspective, which is the, yep. the buyer, the seller. Yep. But also like the real estate broker perspective as well. 
<laughs> because the other one's filling it out. Exactly. And I mean, one of our rules here at Envision Advisors is you always have two sets of eyes on contracts, like our TC and our agent, because it's very easy to, you know, human error or Absolutely. CTM. Yep. So I love the fact that you're answering or you're helping to uh, prevent that. I want to rewind, though, and really pick your brain on how Inc. got started. Yes. This is the fasting stuff to me. Yes. So where do we start? Yeah. So um, here's the power of networking is I've known a, a guy named Landon Smith, who's a realtor, top producing agent here in the Denver market. He moved to Austin with his family years ago and has a team there and still has a team here. And uh, Landon reached out. He's like, hey, Texas real estate is crazy. And I'm like, tell me more. This sounds like fun. So once you get into the contract, what he found, this is even just two, three years ago, and it's still happening today, is in Texas and a lot of their markets, there's not a proof of concept of something like a CTM. Um, they are still doing things like um, scanning and faxing and hand-delivering contracts, which really? is fine. Absolutely, 100%. And that was my first thing was, really? No. And he said, come on down. And I went on down and saw this firsthand. The other thing that they would do is get an offer, uh, print the contract off. And if they wanted to counter proposal anything, they would start writing counter proposal issues in the margins of the contract and just initial it and send it back. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my gosh, by the time that hits the lender or the title company, a lot of times they don't know what the actual terms of this agreement are. Wow. Right. So it's very archaic. There's no trust in technology there. And so what we've done is started in Texas and Landon um, put this together with a co-founder named Caleb, uh, who has a tech background. He's built startup companies and had success with them, sold them really just a, a really big player in the game. And so they co-founded the company. And then I came on as an advisor and really started pushing the, how do we get this in the hands of consumers and realtors to make it run? And so that's really been our plight over the last couple of years is proving a concept in a market that doesn't have one. And then you fast forward and we go, well, Colorado's an opportunity because we have proof of concept through a program called CTM. As archaic and DOS-based as it may feel, it still has allowed a level of trust between consumers and realtors that, hey, fill these things out. I'm going to send you the link and you can you can electronically sign it and yeah. we'll be on our way. Fair enough. And I think that's been a great thing. And Colorado is one of the only states that really does have that in play, believe it or not. <clears throat> CTM is, a, is only a Colorado company at this point. Um, but what's happened, there's been no upgrades. There's been no improvement of these products over the years. It's just, hey, we built it and there it is and people are using it. And good on them. What a great business model. They have over 80% of... of the Colorado licensees using their product, right? That's market share to the nth degree. What we want to do is change the game. We want to pay homage to the fact that they've proved that concept, but we need to change the game because that is not what today's consumer or realtor wants. Realtors are getting younger and more tech savvy, believe it or not. Um, it's a slow process, but it is happening. <laughs> we all chuckle, right? Um, that average age has come down, but the reliance on technology has absolutely not, it, it's only increased, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not technologically advanced in this industry, you're going to get run over at some point real quick. And that is happening now. So what we want to do is change the proof of concept. We want to get this in people's hands and, and understand that there's a better way to do this, right? Your consumers out there are used to transacting through Uber, through um, Amazon, through whatever. They're very comfortable. Whereas before it wasn't a comfort zone. Yeah. That's done. When, when you and I started talking about ink, when we met, you were, you mentioned that, you know, you're doing two things really reducing errors yep. 
and making it mobile responsive. Absolutely. Right. Would you say those are two of your biggest Absolutely. kind of, yeah, pieces, Absolutely. which is, which is brilliant yeah. because it's, it's literally the way the world works today, That's right? Transacting from your car, transacting from your phone. Yep. And then, like you said, if it, you know, if you accidentally check a box and change the entire contract, having that check and balance right there in place is, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a great idea. We don't, want the allowance of mistakes, right? And so when we talk to associations and attorneys and brokerage leaders, they go, yes, please, right? It's the number one complaint in the realtor world is the lack of professionalism or standards of professionalism, right? We do a pretty decent job, but but there's a lot of holes in that. You know, not everybody's the same player. And so we want to level that playing field and make sure that we are raising the the standards up. So would you say that when you're looking at your phone for anything, whether it's a contract or a photograph or an email, I mean, is it pretty common for you to just increase the size of, totally. of that image yep. or that, Pinch that text? Zoom. Pinch and zoom, yep. right? Yep. And that's, I remember when you demonstrated that, yeah. that was to me like such an aha moment yeah. because I realized at that moment that you literally can, you're sitting there, you're looking at a contract, you're in your car, you're about to talk to your client and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I just need to double check that yep. and make sure that that looks right. Yep. And that's really clunky and like cumbersome in something like CTM. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Whereas this is just much simpler and an easier functionality. And, you know, that alone to me is just yeah. such a valuable piece of ink. Yeah. It's it's massive. And I am not a tech guy. By any stretch, my friends will laugh at me and say, really, you're doing tech work now. This is yeah. crazy. I fight with my cell phone constantly. <laughs> Even the remote for the TV I fight yeah. with. We just don't drive. But what I've learned is, not everything is built on the same platform, right? Things that were built in the past are not built for today. And that changes fast, very quickly. Well, one thing too, I think it's important to highlight, I mentioned that it's just, just your background. Well, like you're not a tech guy, you got yeah. the other side of the coin where you have the real estate experience of what, you've been a broker for 20 plus years, 20, I believe. 23 years, I think I'm 23 going years cow. plus, I think I yeah. think your, your, your mom's a realtor, right? Fourth you're, generation realtor, yeah. Mom's yeah. still in it, 47 years in the business. Yeah, this is all I do. It's all I know, it's the mom. I can't get out of this. Yeah, point. but this you, you bring it. like the real world trenches <laughs> exactly. over to the tech people, which yeah. is, you know, Oftentimes you have one, but not the other. Um, and I always love the stories like, hey, I've been working this field. Now I can help. I know what the pain points are and the yep. needs are. Now let's program it to build it. Absolutely. So I want to like, I want to, if you don't mind, Justin, spend Please. a few minutes and kind of like dissect how you guys grew it. Because I mean, I see Chelsea and I are doing that with Property Llama now. I know I obviously I talk to a lot more podcast listeners than you two do. Yep. We have a ton of people who are entrepreneurs wanting to do startups, wanting to make a transition from a W-2 job to like a real estate entrepreneur or some other type of entrepreneurship. So I'd love to like dissect that some. Um, When did, uh, so just for like, when did Inc. get started? Inc. started about three years ago. Wow. Okay. So you're you're younger than I thought. Okay. So three years ago. Yep. Three years ago, really got legs a couple of years ago. It was was becoming less of a concept and more of an executable piece. You can go, okay, I can tangibly touch it. Yeah. What would you say to like go from like to get to that more tangible stuff? Because I mean, when you look at starting a business or product, you know, you can, you know, categorize things on how easy they are. Yep. Starting a software company to replace a, uh, uh, a monopoly, a company with monopoly on software yes. is very hard to do just yes. because you have to kind of everyone use it at the same time. So huge thing to tackle. Yes. How did you start going from proof of concept to actually like yeah. getting developers yep. and yep. raising money and all that stuff? Yep. So really it starts with, with the team, right? And so Caleb, uh, who's one of the co-founders really took the ball and ran with it and finding a team that that believes in this product, that had some passion for real estate, not necessarily houses, but the actual process of real estate. 
So um, what we wanted was buy-in. We want a cultural buy-in where people are excited. They're not just building a widget, but they're building something that they go, man, I can see this work. And what we found is our, our CTO has had massive experience in the past on all kinds of things, but um, he's excited about, about real estate. Chief product officer is excited about real estate. And I think that's been a massive thing because I can bring to them perspective on what's happening in the market, what's happening with interest rates, and they listen. Right, they're very interested in it. It's not just like, okay, what does that mean to me? They're they're very excited about it. So I think number one was find people that actually believe in in the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just want a job. Um, are willing to maybe work for some equity, um, and that's been a big piece for us is is putting some skin in the game and mm-hmm. let's see how much you do believe in this. We can reduce our burn rate. Um, so that really was kind of bootstrapping at the beginning as far as the team goes. Um, and then letting, you know, trusting your leadership team to find the right engineers below them. Right. And so that's been, that's been a lot of fun, um, to watch now managing engineers and tech people is obviously something I can't necessarily do. So you rely on, on them to be, uh, at the, at the helm of that, but I would like to be able to bring, bring a, a presentation of a vision. What what exactly are we doing? So I see that as my role. So we we work in silos, but we try and cross over as much as we can. So that really was about the culture and the team. As far as fundraising goes, I mean, you got to have a story. And you've got to have a story that compels people that go, bingo, pain point. I can mm-hmm. see it immediately. How are we fixing pain point? Boom, here it is, right? It's, it happens that quickly. So what's been interesting is through, through COVID, and mind you, this happened all during COVID, right? This was all almost exclusively through a pandemic, which you go, oh, that's got to be tough. I think in this situation, especially on the tech side, it's actually been more beneficial um, because doing Zoom presentations is just the norm now. So we could expand our presentations nationwide without having to get on planes or you know, set, set meetings or have those awkward, you know, in-person kind of things, which I love, but that's not the reality. Uh, and on the tech side, that's, that's really where they want to be is, is remote. Um, so that's been an interesting thing. The caveat to that is, is not having culture together, right? Your culture is over zoom, your daily meetings on zoom is you got to work hard to connect with people. And that's been a definite challenge for, for myself because I'm a people person. I want this in-person kind of thing. So that's been a challenge, but please. Are most of your staff, Colorado, Texas, or remote everywhere? Remote everywhere. Yeah. Colorado and Texas is mainly the focus. We've had engineers in New York. We've had them in San Francisco. We've had them in Atlanta. Um, But leadership has been, or Colorado, Texas. Colorado and Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Denver and Austin. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. So um, pretty interesting, little bouncing back and forth and, and understanding you're almost building two different products at the same time. I was thinking that because CTM is local to Colorado. Yeah, and yeah. so you're kind of retrofitting on top of that here. Yeah. But then you're addressing some other issues in Texas, like writing in the margins. Exactly right. Yeah. Having like, you know, your own sort of <laughs> notes section. So you have to somewhat customize it, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the market. There. Absolutely. Yeah. And you really have to listen to the consumers. That's been a lot of what I've done is go to Texas and have conversations with realtors about their pain point. Not, not letting tech get in the way, but tell me what's, what's brutal about getting multiple offers as a listing agent. Tell me what your pain points are. Tell me what's brutal about being a a buyer's agent right now and what that looks like and how long does it take? Is it an hour and a half to two hours to go back to your your laptop uh, in your office to write an offer? Can you do it in the car? I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier and something that I just know from spending some time with you, Justin, um, when we were in Utah, is basically 
you know, you mentioned fundraising, right? And you have not gone the venture capital route at all. Yes. And that was so impressive to me. And um, I was lucky enough to meet Caleb with you yep. because he's so great and also like you, a visionary. Yep. And so he was saying, you know, family and friends raise is a really great channel to start with. And I think that's important when you're thinking about if someone wants to start up a company or they want to yep. become a real estate entrepreneur, like think about that family and friends raise as yeah. opposed to venture capitalists. Maybe you can speak to some of the pros and cons of that and sort of that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think the uh, the pros are as you, you have familiarity, there's a level of trust. You don't have to spend your time convincing people that what you do can be trusted, right? Not just from a product perspective, but how you work, what your work ethic is, how you attack each day. You know, people that knew me knew I was going to go to work every day, right? Mm -hmm. That's my reputation here. And so when they saw I was involved in something, they're like, okay, well, it's not going to, it won't not work. It'll work because you're working, right? That's yep. really the point. Yeah. This won't fail because you didn't go to work on it. And so that's been really cool. So bet on me and, and we'll be okay. It's kind of the approach. That's scary. I mean, yeah. that creates a lot of sleepless nights because there's sure. faces and names and relationships attached to it, mm -hmm. right? So if this thing doesn't go, I now have to pick up the phone and call all those people and say, hey, thank you for your trust. It's been an amazing ride. It didn't work out but I appreciate your your investment in us, right? That's what keeps me up at night right now. Yeah. Every night, every day, that's my first thought. So hmm. it's been a, a double-edged sword because there is that familiarity. Um, but you also have to have the conversations of, look, you've got to be willing to part with that money no matter what, right? I'm curious because I, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of colleagues, investors. They raised a lot of money for real estate deals, yeah. you know, syndications or apartment buildings, whatever it yeah. is. And you know, a recurring theme I hear a lot of times from people is they start with friends and family, and they kind of yeah. evolve out of it. Yes, because they're like, hey, you know, a lot of them when they invest twenty five, fifty thousand dollars, is a lot of money to them, and then they're sometimes, you know, the more on the emotional roller coaster, or might need the money sooner than later. Versus, yeah. hey, here's a hundred thousand, here's two hundred thousand dollars. Whatever. Whatever. They don't think about it again. Have you, like, in the couple of years you've done this, have you seen, like, a similar trend where it's, like, more of a, more hand-holding or higher, like, touch points? Yeah, it's it's funny. We started with a minimum of of ten thousand dollar investment, right? That was the minimum you can get in at, and and that so was, everyone or just accredited investors, accredited investors. Okay, right? yeah. Well, actually, there was some. No, there was some that was just family that weren't accredited investors. Okay. They were just, you know, I want to get in. Here's ten thousand. Let's do this, right? Um, so a minimum of ten. What you saw it was a different level of person. Not to take away from them, but the. The 10, when you see them wrestle over $10,000, you almost want to go, never mind, right? It's okay. I'm good. Let's just keep our friendship intact. Um, we then raised it to a 50,000 minimum. And what we saw was it became much more businesslike, right? There was no emotion attached to it. And that was a Caleb decision. And I was, I was not extremely on board with it. Because hmm. I thought we're gonna we're gonna eliminate some of these you know smaller investors. Out of like the the sub fifty thousand dollars, was that I mean ten percent of the the raise? Yeah, I would say that's yeah yeah I would say ten to twenty percent okay. right in there. It was very you know not a huge chunk, but yeah. but um, you can usually find more smaller. That was your concern, exactly right? right. Exactly right. So and yeah. to Caleb's point is yes, that may be true, but you've got to manage all those expectations. You've mm -hmm. got to manage the emotions. You've got to manage the calls of hey when and how and what's happening and all this. Whereas right. Some of those more historically seasoned investors at the 50 mark are like, yeah, just call me when you got something, right? Yeah. Let me know in two years where we are. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay. 
Yeah. So it's it's a different game. It's a trade-off. Yeah, um, right. I think people are really excited about the opportunity to get on something early. I know they are. We all are. That's always kind of the dream is, you know, to get in early at Nike or Apple. And then, of know, course, there you go. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they want to get in, but it's there's definitely an appetite level that changes what not going VC did for us. And, and we didn't just do friends and family that evolved into more uh, industry wide. Right. So then we could take our our successes and go, hey, we've been funded to X point. Now we're looking for that next level. So to go to a brokerage or a title company or a mortgage company uh, and say some of those things like, hey, here's our story. Here's where we are. And they go, yeah, we'll get in for 100 or 200 or 300,000. That changes everything. So I think that friends and family helps you get a running start, but you can't run on that long. Were they just like the first round and or second round? They were mostly first round. First round, okay. Yeah, yeah. So getting in early and then then we kind of shifted philosophically to say, all right, let's go more after the industry money, right? Okay. Let's do some things like, are there rev share opportunities, right? Can we partner with this brokerage or that um, mortgage company and say, hey, we're going to give you money back for users. Like there, there's opportunities. So you got to get creative, right? It can't yeah. just be give us money and we'll see how this goes. They want some, they want some juice. In. But it sounds like that's just kind of like the, the, evo- the natural evolution of things. Bingo. Yeah. Um, I, I would be curious, and this I know this is a tough question for you, but just just in general for raising capital that's for a business or yep. a deal, you know, looking back now with this experience, what would you like if you were to start raising something for something else? Where would you start at? <laughs> Fifty thousand minimum, friends and family, VC, yeah, or it I, all depends. I think so. I mean, it it does depend. Depend. The the ten thousand minimum was was fun and it got a lot of interest, and actually it drove a lot of realtors to be in it as well. So industry players that knew the pain of what they're dealing with now, willing to write a check for $10,000 and say, I'm betting you can you can beat what we currently have. And that was a lot of it. We did get a lot of realtors that invested in that, that regard. I, so I wouldn't change that per se, but I would move quickly out of that. I think we got a little comfortable and just staying in that realm. It was, we could tell our story and knock off a few wins here and there. But when your burn rate is, is you know, 5,000 or more a day, you go, that 10,000 doesn't, you, yeah. thanks, thanks for Monday and, and Tuesday, right? That's, <laughs> that's what you did. And so you've got to pay attention more to the numbers than anything. I probably going backwards, I would, yes, would have increased that minimum and probably gone after some more industrial investors, some more VC money. Does now you brought a very interesting concept where like a lot of your investors were also your users, yes. which is pretty unique. Yes. Um, was that, that seems like a big pro in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you know anything about realtors, they are loud and proud, right? There's there's no better storyteller than a realtor, I believe. Um, and so when they believe in something, they'll go out and tell their story, right? So we had a lot of, a realtor would invest and then they would come back and be like, hey, I talked to a few people in my office. They want to invest as well, Right. And so, yeah, we want the loud, yeah. loud and proud to so get out there. It was good marketing. It was a good way Absolutely. to find more investors. One begets the next. Increased our yeah. network tremendously. That's yeah. Great. But it's a slow way to do it, right? The, the reason why you don't want the VC money is as expensive as can be. Mm-hmm. And they want things like board seats and decision making. They want, control, they want right? control yeah. over everything. Yeah. And then what are you doing at that point? You know, what are, are you really maintaining the goal of trying to fix a specific pain point? Or is it just, let's create a company that makes some money, right? right. And and I wanted to stay on that vision of, let's really do something here. Yeah. Let's let's do something. And, and you know, and you have the background for that too. I mean, you've been, you've been at the, you know, president of DMAR, you've had 
experiences. You've been a realtor for 23 years. I mean, you know it so, so well, which to me is also a huge pro. Mm -hmm. Like all of your, you know, your connection to this whole process is is a big pro. It's it's been massive. And I think they recognize, Caleb and the team recognized that early was, look, we can have a bunch of tech people doing this, but without a connection to the industry, you're, nobody's going to buy this. Yeah. And then you can, you can actually, you know, you can help it to innovate and Mm -hmm. evolve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from somebody who's literally been in that seat for so long. So you really can understand like almost every field to a certain extent, which really makes that evolution and makes that progress just so much, I think more have like a, you know, higher level of quality. Yeah. Like you're really going to give people a really yep. quality product. Yeah. Um. So you don't want to lose that. Yeah. Just giving it over to a VC firm, and then suddenly, you know, their their job is to provide money and to provide some kind of control and management, right? Exactly. It's right. not to be, yep. you know, in a car tra- transacting a piece of real estate. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And our tag has always been for realtors by realtors. Like this mm-hmm. product right. is being built by realtors. Right for the good of right. other And I mean, when you're in the prop tech space and you start to hear the stories of other companies out there, you hear that a lot. Yep. Like, you know, we are realtors. We come yep. from a real estate background. We've been in this space for a long time. Yep. And now here we are solving the problem internally instead of like a Silicon Valley coming in, trying to solve a problem in industry outside of their kind of wheelhouse. It becomes more like a diner versus yep. like a specialty restaurant. Bingo. So mm, yeah, yeah it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you got you got to get yeah. narrow. Yep. You've got to get narrow. Yep. If you're not narrow... People are just like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'm moving on. Right. Oh, oh, I love yeah. you brought it up. Neat. How narrow is too narrow? Because the reason I asked <laughs> this is because, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I, about five years ago, I started all the podcasts, my marketing out here. And I, I told a bunch of people, hey, here's my plan, a Denver yeah. podcast on our website. Everyone said, you're crazy. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Don't do it. And you go on to all like the, you know, the Google metrics and the calculators yeah. and, you know, it doesn't show the search volume. And I'm like, but I was like, no, I know there's, I, I have faith in it. Like, but also is very, very narrow. Yeah. Um, and I always believe in like the riches are in the niches. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And as you go narrow, as you go deep, you can go wide. Yep. But I, I, not many people say it. So how do you balance going hyper specific? Yeah. But not being too specific where it's like, oh, great. I have three yeah. customers plus my yeah. sale for my mom. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's funny when, when I think of narrow, I think why has nobody done this yet? Right. It seems like a yeah. simple thing to to take a mobile device and and really activate it to the best use of the realtor and the consumer for a contract. Why has nobody done this? But you know what? Wouldn't you rather be on that side of the thought than on the side yes. of why didn't I think? Yeah, of yeah, that? exactly right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully yeah. it works yeah. out. But there's companies like DocuSign. Mm-hmm. There's companies zip forms. Um th- there's these companies out there that have covered the nation, if not the world, in their product, but refuse to go deep, right? It's easy for them. That's not where the riches are for them. They want to stay high level and then maybe look at a company like ours and go, okay, we'll bring them in under our umbrella at some point, but Mm. they don't want to spend because going state by state, um, there's almost 200 contracts, addendums, disclosures and whatnot in, in Texas that we had to parse out every contract, right? And that takes a lot of engineering time. They didn't want to do that. Right. They would rather have one platform for everybody across the nation. Well, yeah. there's no two real estate all. contracts that are the same. No, right? not in any states. They're not the same. So you have to go, you have to go deep. You have to get narrow. So for us, we'll do what the other big companies can't or refuse to. And we'll get dirty and we'll do those small details, the sweat equity, if you will. So for us to get narrow has been uh, been huge um, and, and allows us to be swift and nimble. 
it it also can be a danger. And I think I learned MVP, right? So there's multiple levels of launching a tech product. What's Me? an MVP for audience? Oh my God, it's multiple. Minimal viable product. There, there you go. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Minimal viable product, right? So you don't, you're, there's never a full iteration that's launched yeah. day one, right? And for me and my lizard brain, I could not get my head around why aren't we launching fully ready to go, right? And that's what the, it's, you leave crumbs to the, to the prize, right? Yeah. You leave little a crumb trail of keeping people with you. You buy their loyalty and then you continue to show improvement in the product and they'll stay with you forever. That's why there's 2.0s, 3.0s, 4.0 versions of products. Um, so once I got that in my head, I was like, oh, well then let's stay very narrow at the start and yeah. kind of expand out. So we know first iteration's not for everybody. And you have to let that go and go, we're yeah. not, we're not Early adapters everybody. versus laggards, Bingo. right? You're going to go across that whole gamut 100%. of people, of users. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And, and when you're in a market like Colorado, where there's already an existing product, we want to go narrow and find those people that are like, man, this, this yeah. is the piece. This is, this it. is it. I have to have it. <laughs> And, then and you have found those. some of those people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mean, you have some of those users. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. We've got over 200 people in our beta testing right now, which is unheard of. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. crazy. They we, they want more. They, they mm -hmm. want more. So we're just trying to keep up with the pace at this point. But yeah. So I got a couple more questions here for you. But before I forget, and I should have asked this before uh, we hit record in the podcast, <laughs> but the two questions here, because I know there are agents that don't want to learn about the software yeah. and there might be people that want to invest in the software. You bet. Um, what's the best way for them to go or who talks to who in those scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. So for agents, either way, just come, come to me or go to useinc.com and you can correspond through there, um, useinc.com. U-S-E-I-N-K.com. Yep, you got it. Sorry. Thank you. Um, it's just so entrenched in my head. No, um, I know it. Yeah, usinc.com. You can definitely find more information. We are live in two Texas markets, San Antonio and Austin right now with expansion going on. Uh, Colorado, we're live with betas, but we're not a live product yet. So it, it'll take a little bit of time. But um, yeah, if you want more information, you want to sign up for beta testing, just hit me up, justin at useinc.com, J-U-S-T-I-N at U-S-E-I-N-K.com. Um, yeah, reach out for anything. If you've got some investment opportunities, if you if you think there's something there, uh, we'll certainly be creative on on minimums or whatever that looks like at this point. But yeah, cool. just just hit us up. It's just we're we're ready to go. So one of the things uh, I wanted to truly ask you on the air, because I found this fascinating, because I, you know, I, I've uh, built some companies successfully, not successful in the past, yep. rolled out software, rolled out programs, some who work, some doesn't, you know, typical yep. Yep. You know, entrepreneur <laughs> journey. Um, but one of the questions I asked you or, or one of your guys at a networking event was, how do you roll out and tackle the kind of like David and Goliath issue mm -hmm. of, of CTM, just where, you know, they are, they have the monopoly. Yep. And everyone uses them because everyone else uses them. Because, yep. you know, if I send a contract to you for my buyer to your seller, yep. we want to see, see it, Tim, if I'm using this oddball over here, I become a pain in the butt in my mind for you. So you had a really cool way about how to like roll it out and help start making a shift. Yeah. So specifically, we want to target audiences that move the needle, right? So it's going to be listing agents that are tired of the product, listing agents that are not afraid of technology, listing agents that list a bunch of properties, right? Because a lot of times a listing agent controls the market and how things go. Look, if you're a listing agent, you can dictate, um, I will, I will only want offers in, in CTM or Inc or whatever the product may be. Now you can write it on a napkin and they still have to present it. But if you're in multiple offer situation, like we have been for the last several years, the last thing you want to do is piss off a listing agent. 
right? Exactly. You want to give them exactly what they ask for. So what we wanted to do was partner with listing agents in those markets that can move the needle and have some influence. And we'll give them the product free of charge. We'll have them become influencers. That's really where we wanted to do. Then the other side is the buyer agent side, right? Let's get some buyer agents that are very active out there, that can speak to the product, that once they get it to a listing agent, maybe it's different, they can tell our story, right? They can talk about, hey, you should check this out. This is pretty cool. Um, so that was really on a, on a narrow level. That's what we want to do is, is create a persona for the listing agents and buyer agents that we're targeting. The next piece is going to be partnerships or rev share through MLSs, associations, or brokerages, right? So if we can get a brokerage to have skin in the game on this and say, Hey, get your agents to use this and we'll peel off some dollars for you on the usage side. That's a win-win. Now, a lot of brokerages, a couple bucks here and there is not going to be a big deal, but margins are slim. And, and brokerage margins, that, <laughs> it adds up. That is a big deal. Those margins are shrinking by yeah. the minute. So, you know, they're looking for any other ancillary ways they can they can drive some revenue and income. So um, those really are the key pieces was creating personas of exactly who would use this, who would be, you know, on our team and, and willing to talk about it um, and use it and be a champion for it. So we've identified those. And then from there, expanding out associations, MLSs, and brokerages. Um, and you had talked about kind of hitting some type of like critical mass to when like you would like, I feel like X number of users, you had some threshold, which I found just fascinating. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully it's public knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Threshold where you can... Yeah, I think uh, Caleb's <sighs> probably got that formula more so now, but we... Yeah, just talk Yeah, Yeah, we, we know that in a certain market, once you hit a tipping point of probably a thousand users or more, that's going to spread like wildfire. Right. And now okay. becomes the in thing to do it now becomes like, oh, OK, it's not just this little thing over here, but a lot of people are using it. So that's always our key piece is just get engaged, active users as much as we can. But, yeah, there there are formulas. I'd have to talk to him about what exactly the numbers are. But um, for instance, if we can get a, a large network of agents, there's a company we're talking to in Texas with six thousand agents that they're very excited about this. And they, they are saying, I think we want to do something and, and probably partner on this. Awesome. 6,000 agents. Okay. Let's peel that off and go out of those 6,000. How many are actually transacting business, right? Not all 6,000. Exactly. That's so always the broker metrics. 500 to a thousand yeah. that, that you really are going to focus on. Now we go deep with them. Now we include them in our, our communications constantly. Uh, we are having them, you know, in meetings, we're buying them lunches and whatnot, just talking about the story, talking about the next iteration of the product so they can be our champions as well. So um, that's kind of what we see as a small sales team, a large sales team, if you do it right. Right. So uh, just empower them, engage, engage with them. So hopefully that answered somewhat. I don't think it answered. No, you everything. did a very good job answering it. So yeah. that was, uh, you answered my question. Thank okay. you. Yes. And I know we're kind of running up on the, the end of our podcast here. So I want to make sure everyone knows, hey, they go to useinc.com for more details as an agent to look at it, to, to join as beta or yep. start you know using it as it rolls out and also just contact you for any potential investment opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the easiest way. And we'll get you right in. Uh, we can do pitch decks. We can talk about kind of where we are in the iteration of the product, all that. We, we want to share our story. That's yeah. the biggest thing. So yeah, this was fun. So Justin Old Inc., thank you very much. Right on, thank Chelsea you. Chelsea Scott with Envision Advisors, thank you. I feel like in the future as we kind of grow more of this uh, prop tech segment, what's going on here in uh, Denver, we might have to do a little later in the day and add some drinks for some happy hours. Sounds because I feel like uh, we can have some very fun, <laughs> yeah, uh, and informed discussions. So thank you guys. Agreed. Yeah. My awesome. honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks everyone. 